Wonderful. Now, we're going to spend some time around the Word, and the title of this message is Experiencing Pentecost at a Personal Level. If you're making notes, you can jot that down. Experiencing Pentecost at a Personal Level. Please turn to Acts chapter 1, and just get ready to read there in Acts chapter 1. But as you turn in there, just to say that we are going to have a time of praying for people at the end of the service, and I feel that this is very important. And I've asked all the shepherds and life group leaders and assistant leaders to be ready afterwards in the front here after we close the service to pray for people for the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. You may not have come to church this morning thinking that you would leave with a whole new experience in the Holy Spirit. I want to say, raise the level of your expectation. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what you ask or think. So please be ready for that a little bit later. Now, Pentecost. What is the definition of Pentecost? What does this word mean? Pentecost is actually a very simple word. It's uh, the Greek word which means 50th day. That's what Pentecost means, 50th day. Pentecost is also referred to as the time when the church was really born. Now, I'd like to explain to you a little bit of the timeline with regards to Easter and Ascension Day and Pentecost so that we can understand it clearly. If we consider Easter, you have Good Friday where Jesus was crucified, and then three days later on the Sunday, we call it Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday was when Jesus was raised from the dead. Now, that's day number one. Forty days later is Ascension Day. And Ascension Day took place in our calendar on the 21st of May this year, Ascension Day is when Jesus ascended into heaven. And that takes place 40 days after Easter Sunday. Then, 10 days after Ascension Day is Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday. Which is when we celebrate the Holy Spirit who was poured out on the early church. And that takes place 50 days after Pentecost Sunday. So, it was... Sorry, after the resurrection. Thank you very much. So, it is a case of today we celebrate Pentecost Sunday, and basically it was seven weeks ago that we celebrated Easter. You've already forgotten about Easter, most probably. But just to clarify, so, Easter Sunday, day one. Ascension Day, day 40. Pentecost Sunday, day 50. Alright, so 50 days from the time that Jesus rose from the dead puts you at Pentecost Sunday, and that is what we are celebrating today. Now, look at Acts chapter 1, and we're going to read quite a portion of Acts 1 and Acts, a little bit of Acts 2 as well. Did you bring your Bible to church today? Please check the person next to you. Uh, give them a hairy eyeball if they didn't bring their Bible. No, just kidding. didn't mean that. Alright. Acts chapter 1, 
And uh, it says here in verse 1, The former account I made, O Theophilus. The former account was the book of Luke. Of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. You see the 40 days there? That's between Easter Sunday and Ascension. During that period of time, Jesus was repeatedly appearing to the disciples, proving to uh, many different people in different appearances, even to a group of about 500 on one particular occasion, proving that he was alive and raised from the dead, and also teaching them of what was to come. And of the kingdom. Take note. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Just to say, you might be here today and you've been baptized in water in terms of believer's baptism. And I want to tell you, Jesus wants you to experience what is said here. You shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. In other words, if the Holy Spirit has not come upon a life of an individual believer, the power of God is not present in any significant way in that person's life. But if the Holy Spirit has come upon you, if you have experienced the infilling, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, then the power of God has become a reality in your life. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, this is the ascension, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, These were seemingly angels, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? Maybe if you and I stood there, we would have also just carried on staring, thinking that maybe something else is going to happen now, and just carried on looking. But then the angels appeared and said, Why do you look up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. I want to remind you, We have good news, men and women of God, sons and daughters of God, that Jesus has promised that he will come again. Like he went up into the clouds, he will come down in and through the clouds, and he will one day come to rule and to reign. Thank you for that, amen. And they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. 
And when they had entered, they went into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. Now listen, they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Now, I would like to suggest to you, this was quite a difficult time. Jesus had been raised from the dead over this period from day one to day 40. He had been appearing to them. Supernatural things had been happening. He had been teaching them on the kingdom. It must have been an awesome time, but now on the 40th day, he ascended into heaven. They couldn't see him anymore. They went to the upper room and they began to pray. They began to intercede. They began to prepare their hearts because that's what Jesus said. He said, go and wait for the promise. And so between day 40 and day 50, when the Holy Spirit came, I can just imagine it must have been a really difficult time for the disciples. What is going on here? Where is Jesus? When is the promise coming? How long are we going to have to wait? What is going on here? But still, through all of that confusion, perhaps, there still seemed to be a oneness of heart. They were seeking God. They knew that God was going to come through for them. Now turn to the next chapter, Acts chapter 2, and verse 1. It says, Now when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. One sat upon each of them. Now, by the way, always the tongue of fire was on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. On the Ark of the Covenant is the mercy seat, and there was a blue flame of God's presence. The Shekinah glory of God's presence was dwelling there at the Ark of the Covenant. But now, on the day of Pentecost, that flame left the Ark of the Covenant and it went symbolically onto the heads of every one of the 120 that were gathered in the upper room, showing that God's presence had moved from the Ark to men and women, believers in Jesus Christ. And it says, And there appeared tongues of fire and sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Can we say those words, filled with the Holy Spirit? Filled with the Holy Spirit, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And initially they began to speak in tongues that they couldn't understand, but other people from surrounding areas could understand. That didn't ever get recorded again of taking place in the Bible uh, after that point in time, but thereafter, people began to speak in tongues as a heavenly language that could not be understood on, a on an earthly realm. And then it goes to verse 12. It says, So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What could this mean? Others mocking said, They are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words, for these are not drunk, as you suppose, 
since it is only the third hour of the day. In other words, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. They haven't even had time to get drunk yet. They are not drunk. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my maid servants and men servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Isn't it lovely to read about the day of Pentecost on this day? Now, I just want to make a comment here before I share a few brief points with you. The comment is the following. We live in a world that is undermining the reality of Christianity. We live in a world that is trying to rationalize the Bible and discount or ridicule or take away everything that is supernatural in the Bible. They are trying to take away the reality of Jesus being the Son of God. They're trying to break down the reality of any miracles that took place from you know, crossing of the Red Sea to whatever other miracles that took place, the feeding of the 5,000. And they say, well, it didn't actually happen like that, but it was a figment of the people's imagination. We live in a world that is trying to water down the truth of the revelation that we have in the Bible. But I want to tell you that the, the event that took place on the day of Pentecost was real, it was vibrant, it was powerful, it was supernatural. The people were in that upper room and a violent, rushing, mighty wind came into that place. It was not somebody that had too much Red Bull that saw this and then penned some things about wings flattering. And, yeah. This was actually what happened. There was this massive wind that came into the place. And then real, supernatural tongues of fire came and sat on each person. They began to speak in other tongues. And this was a reality. And just because many people are undermining the supernatural aspects of the Word of God means that you and I, must all the more passionately declare these supernatural things. Declare the wonderful things that Jesus has done. Talk about the miracles. Talk about the wonder of Jesus being raised from the dead. Talk about the, the tremendous thing of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Talk about speaking in tongues. Don't be shy. Don't be pushed into a corner. Be bold about the supernatural things. Be bold about telling people even about the day of Pentecost. Some people at work around about you may have no idea what Pentecost means. I think it's related to the Pentagon. <laughs> but speak out. Tell people. Don't be ashamed. Now, point number one of four. Every believer should desire a personal Pentecost. What is a personal Pentecost? It is when you experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as the 120 did on the day of Pentecost. I'd like to ask you, and you can answer this for yourself today, in your own heart, have you experienced a personal Pentecost? Have you received the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit? Maybe as I'm speaking today, this is news to you. You didn't really know about this. 
This says in the New Testament that some of the people that they were preaching to said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Well, I want to tell you, there is a Holy Spirit. And He wants to baptize you in His grace, in His power, in His love. He wants to fill you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Now, some people say, well, I'm just going to settle for the deposit of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to go on to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe that was just for those guys that started the church. And they needed it to kickstart the church. But from there on, it did not become necessary. That is called cessationism. In other words, it stopped at Pentecost. Do you believe it stopped at Pentecost? It carries on to today. And it will never stop the outpouring of the Holy Spirit When you make a commitment of your life to Jesus Christ and pray a prayer of salvation and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, then you receive the deposit of the Holy Spirit. Now, at the same time, or at a later stage, you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is when the fullness of the Holy Spirit becomes a reality in your life. When Jesus appeared after he had been supernaturally raised to the disciples, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And I believe that spoke of the deposit in a real sense. But those same disciples only got the baptism on the day of Pentecost. So when you gave your life to Jesus, you received the deposit of the Holy Spirit. Have you stopped there? If you have stopped there, I want to say, don't settle for less than God's best. I want to say, carry on and allow the fullness of the Spirit of God to become a reality. Say, God, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because that's what you said, Lord. You said, John's baptism was one of repentance, but there will be a baptism of the Holy Spirit and of fire. Number two, a personal Pentecost should be followed by a life of repeated infillings. You see, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is essentially a once-off occasion. But then repeatedly, we should allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. Because the bottom line is, we, as we go through life and face different things, we run dry. And we need to get filled up, filled up again. But the baptism still remains in place. But infillings need to happen on a regular basis. In Ephesians 5, 8, I'll just read it to you. The New Living Translation puts it like this. Do not be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. But instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that be filled is in the present continuous tense. In other words, it means that you must be filled and keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Interesting that it is compared, in a sense, to being drunk on wine. You see, when you get drunk on wine, and by the way, somebody told me that was at the match yesterday that they really didn't enjoy the amount of drunkenness after the game. The guy said to me he walked to the toilet at some point in time, and he had to walk like a drunk person to avoid the other people that were all drunk around the place. But you know what happens? When you get drunk with, with uh, wine, with alcohol, you end up doing the wrong things. Am I right? 
automatically you end up doing silly things. But when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you automatically begin to do the right things. If you determine to keep your level, Holy Spirit level full, you automatically begin to have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You automatically begin to be more like Jesus. It's a natural product of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 in the Amplified says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but ever be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. I feel to challenge a few people here today. The charismatic renewal took place a long time ago. And I can well believe that a number of people in the audience today experienced the renewal in terms of the charismatic renewal. And you began to speak in other tongues. You began to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit, maybe even prophesy and flow in the gifts. But something has run dry. You've gotten to a place where there's not too much love in your heart like there used to be. There's not too much passion for the Spirit of God. There's not too much passion. There's not enough passion for the church of Jesus Christ. And what Brother Simon shared earlier on, I've written in my notes here, this is what I've written, don't let the gift lay dormant. And he was saying that he believes that the Holy Spirit today is bringing an activation of the Holy Spirit and of the gifts of God and of the power of the Holy Spirit and the baptism. There's an activation taking place. And I speak to the hearts of those men and women that experienced the charismatic renewal and began to enjoy the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But right now, as you look back on that day and look back and look at today, you feel, ah, I'm not there anymore. And I want to challenge you. You need to get filled again. You need to get filled again. Maybe there needs to be like a second Pentecost that takes place for some of the people in this place. There needs to be a second Pentecost. Number three, the purpose of Pentecost is to empower the believer. The purpose of Pentecost is to empower the believer. Now, if you were God and... You had to establish your kingdom on earth through people. Wouldn't you give your people an added advantage to get the job done? That's exactly what Father's plan was. He said, my people have to go. They have to spread the gospel. They have to influence others around them for my name's sake. But I'm going to give them a bit of help. I'm going to give them the Holy Spirit. And they will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. They will be empowered to do this work of turning the world upside down. The Holy Spirit gives you power to live the Christian life. He gives you power to truly worship in spirit and in truth. The Holy Spirit gives you power to resist temptation. He gives you power to operate in the gifts. The Holy Spirit gives you power to pray for the sick and heal the sick. The Holy Spirit gives you power to influence others for Jesus. And lastly, point number four, 
you can impart what you have received. Let me just recap quickly. Number one, every believer should desire a personal Pentecost. Number two, a personal Pentecost should be followed by a life of repeated infillings. Number three, the purpose of Pentecost is to empower the believer. Number four, you can impart what you have received. You see, every child of God has the right and the ability to pass on what we have received. You don't have to have studied a course at Bible college. Jesus just needs to be Lord of your life. You don't have to have gone to Toronto. You just have to have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then you can pray for other people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I remember I began to lead a home cell, a life group. Um, I was probably about 19. It was the first time I'd ever led a home cell, and I was very nervous about it. It was a big step for me. But I began to lead this group, and we had about 10, 15 initially in the group, and we were just beginning to get going. And then the one night, a, a lady in our group, a young lady, brought another young lady to the meeting. And she said, just after the time of worship, she said, my friend wants to receive the gift of tongues. Will you please pray for her? I was very nervous. I, I thought, well, who, who can help me here? I've got to, I'm the leader, and there's no shepherd visiting here tonight. I, I, I've got to do this. And I was very nervous. I was taken back a little bit. I was quite shocked. And then I thought, oh God, you've got to come through for me now. If this stuff really works, now's the time, Lord. And so I thought, well, what do you do when you pray for the baptism? Okay, yes, you lay on hands and you impart the gift. But then what? How do I know they are? Okay, so I said to her, I said, okay, we're going to stand around you. have got people to stand with me, get some moral support. <laughs> and I laid my hands on her head. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I impart to you the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come upon her right now in the name of Jesus. And I said, now open your mouth and just begin to speak. And I'm thinking, Lord, please. <laughs> Lord, please, don't let me down here. And a language began to come out of her mouth. I said, just talk a little bit louder. And it came out. And it came out. I said, now come on with boldness. And I said, everybody around, pray in the Spirit as well. And she clearly, unmistakably got the gift of tongues. And tears began to stream down her face like this. And God had done it. And I was relieved. I was relieved. And I tell you what. Any person that has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and loves the Lord, you can impart that special gift. Acts 19 verse 6, uh, it says, And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and even prophesied. And I want to encourage you, believers that are in this place today, that have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to not be shy to pray for other people. We are a kingdom of priests. You can impart this wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't even have to happen with somebody laying hands on you. 
Even Paul, at times when he was just speaking, it says the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Some people have testified in recent times of being a part of the worship here. And just during the worship, without anybody praying for them, they just begin to experience the release of the Holy Spirit. And so, in conclusion, I want to say, have you experienced Pentecost at a personal level? If you have, that is wonderful. And I encourage you to make sure you continually place yourself under the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But if you have not experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you desire the powerful working of the Spirit of God in your life, then we would like to specifically pray for you today and encourage you in this step. Mom, would you please come and just begin to play right now? I'd like to ask that, except for the the tea team, that nobody leave at this point in time. And I'd like to ask all the shepherds and overseeing shepherds and Mandri and Andrew and the life group leaders and assistant leaders, would you come and stand up the front here and be ready to serve people in prayer? If you could come forward, all the leaders, as quick as possible. Fill up from the center here, please, and spread around the side. Now let me say that we are not going to be forceful or pushy in any way. But what we are going to do, the leaders that are gathered up front here, they are going to lay their hands on people that desire the baptism of the Holy Spirit and in prayer impart it to you. And then they're going to say to you, now you begin to open your mouth and speak. All right? What do you begin to speak? Well, if nothing comes out at first, just begin to say hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Maybe copy a few of the syllables that you're hearing by the person praying for you just to help you get going. But then just launch out in faith and allow the Spirit of God to do it. It's a supernatural thing that the Lord does. Now, before we close in prayer uh, and dismiss the meeting, I'd like to invite anybody and everybody that would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of tongues, would you get up out of your seat right now and come to the front right now, please? I believe that there should be many...